Happy New Year, everyone. Happy 2023. And welcome back to Octopulse, our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. I'm Mark Faulkner, Detroit News Assistant Sports Editor, joined by Ted Colfin, our Red Wings beat reporter. Coming up on the podcast today, we'll hear from Team USA goalie Annalise Bergman. She's from Detroit. She's the only girl on the boys team with the U18 Oakland Grizzlies, and she's played alongside Connor Bedard, the consensus number one pick for the 2023 NHL draft. She's in Sweden right now to play in the U18 Women's World Championships. But first, Ted, your latest story at DetroitNews.com. What will the Wings do when they get the four forwards back? Jacob Verana and Robbie Fabry could be ready to return to the lineup as soon as Wednesday against the Devils. Tyler Bertuzzi and Philip Zadina might be back in another week or two. As you wrote in the story, it's going to be difficult no matter what they decide because the young players such as Jonathan Berggren, Elmer Solderblom, and Joe Valeno have been playing well, especially in the New Year's Eve 4-2 win over Ottawa. So, Ted, who's in and who's out on Wednesday moving forward? Oh, Mark, I'd like to get your opinion on that, too. I I, I think I don't know if, if there's a clear-cut answer. I mean, goodness gracious, all the young, youngsters are playing well. I mean, you can mm-hmm. easily make a case, I suppose, that a, a young player like Soderblom could still use a little bit of seasoning in Grand Rapids, but probably not really deserve it. I mean, I think he's earned it. He's done enough to probably earn a job in the NHL, but it's a good problem to have. I mean, let's face it. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of NHL quality bodies and you're trying to shoehorn them in. Could a guy like Adam Ernie get waived? Maybe. I mean, that's I mean, it's probably not good asset management, but I mean, that's a possibility. You just wave Adam Ernie. Sure. I uh, thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. It's difficult right now. I mean, what, what would you do? Well, as you said in your story, Ted, it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? The easy answer probably is to send Bergeron and Soderblom to Grand Rapids and let them continue to develop under coach uh, Ben Simon and then call them up when there's injuries and there have been injuries with the way the wings have been playing this year, Saturday night, they had 31 more hits 18 alone in the first period, seven by Ben Sherratt. And they had 21 more block shots against the senators five by Sherratt and probably his best game of the season. You know, it's year four of Eiserman's rebuild out of the playoffs for six straight years. And this might be the best example, Ted of, how far they've come when it comes to depth of talent on this roster. Well, here's another thing, Mark. One goalie is going to get sent down. I mean, they okay. have three goalies there, so that, that'll be one body right there. And frankly, that'll be interesting, too. What do you do there at the backup position? Uh, Helberg has played well with a little bit of hesitation there. I mean, he's probably outplayed Nadelkovich, although, that's frankly, that's not saying a heck of a whole lot. So it'll be interesting to so, see what direction they go there. And mm-hmm. they need one of those two to step up because I don't think you can pull. <laughs> I think we're seeing, seeing a little bit of a sign of maybe Huso being overplayed somewhat. I don't think Huso has been as quite as sharp on the whole as he has been. So he could use a little bit more rest. So they definitely need one of these two other guys to step up and, be a quality number two guy 
Okay, Ted, let's hear now from Red Wing center Pew Suter. You caught up with Suter at practice last week in Pittsburgh, and you asked him about the playoff race. As of this morning, January 2nd, 2023, the Red Wings have 39 points, and they're only five points out of the final wild card position, five points behind the Islanders and Penguins with games in hand. What's the point for you guys now coming out of the break? I mean, you guys are still in the playoff chase and all that. What do you guys need to do to, you know, be successful? We're just playing the right way and then get, get, get our points. And I think that's the main key is just to keep racking up points and play well or just also games we don't play as well or not feeling great. we got to find a way to get points and I think that would be the, the key. Do you look at the standings a lot? I mean, or do you just, not, do you just focus on what you guys do and stuff? There's, there's times you look more and there's times I just play every other day. There's not really just focusing on the game and always from time to time you take a look. So, Ted, there's that theme again, picking up points. As Suter said, the Red Wings with 39 points in 35 games. And now they play five of the next six games here at home. The Devils, Panthers are in this week, then a Saturday game in Toronto, and then back here for the Jets, Leafs, and Blue Jackets. So after those six games on January the 14th, they'll be officially halfway through the schedule, 41 games in the 82-game schedule. What do you think, Ted, especially coming off one of their most impressive victories Saturday night? Where will they be in a couple of weeks, right where they are now? Or do you think they'll be able to move up and gain some ground in the wild card race? Well, I agree with you. And actually, you think about it, there's some winnable games here, New Jersey and Florida. Mm-hmm. New Jersey's kind of straightened themselves out somewhat here, but you know they they were on a downswing. Florida is definitely in a slump. Uh, I don't remember who they got next week. Uh, Jets, yeah, the Jets lease. Jets have Jets. been on a downswing yeah. also. So let's face it, there's some winnable games, but still have to go out there and win them. I mean, I know they have games in hand on a few teams above them, but still have to win those games and then you know do better than the other team and once they're even. So. I don't know. We'll see. I think it's with these bodies coming in, that should help, I would think. Uh, I mean, I think we've talked about this all season, Mark. I mean, they're an improved team. Do I mm-hmm. see them ultimately getting sliding into the playoffs? Still have a difficult, I, don't know, I just cannot see that. I don't think they're quite that good enough yet. I mean, this backup goaltending position has become a sore spot here lately. Um uh, but we'll see. I mean, stranger things have happened. <laughs> uh, I think six spots. It, it does seem like those two wild card spots. They're they're somewhat feasible if they play well. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. It's, it's you still got to think Rangers or Pittsburgh are going to claim one of those wild card spots, and after that, who you got? You got Washington and the Islanders. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. Thanks, Ted. Coming up next on the podcast, it's our interview segment, and today's guest is Annalise Bergman. Joining us now is Annalise Bergman, a Detroit native and 17-year-old goaltender with the Oakland Grizzlies U18 boys hockey team. She'll be in Sweden in the new year to play for Team USA in the Women's World U18 Championships. Annalise Welcome to the podcast. Last year, you played in the U18 Worlds in Wisconsin and in the gold medal game, a 3-2 loss against Canada. 
What do you remember about that game? Because you were just 16. You were in goal against Canada earlier in the tournament, and the U.S. won that game 7-0. But in this game, the U.S. got behind 3-0. You scored two quick goals in seven seconds, and that third period was so close. What, though, stands out for you, Annalise, about that gold medal game? Thank you so much for having me, first of all. But, you know, it was just such a close game, and there were so many chances that we had where we, you know, hit the post or their other goalie had to make a great save. You know, and what stuck out to me is just how much you have to really work for the gold medal. You know, we went down early, 3 nothing, but then two quick goals, and we were right back in it. And so, you know, hopefully just going forward, you know, we know that Canada always comes out fast, and, you mm-hmm. know, they show game and so you know we just have to match that intensity and even more and just you know show how much we want it and Elise, what's it like then playing against Canada you mentioned how they do come out fast and they got the lead there they're on a bit of a roll right now with championships at all three levels in the women's game the gold against your team at the U18s the worlds and the Olympics they have seven players coming back from last year's U18 team including Ava Murphy She scored on a point shot. She had another shot of hers, again, screened in front of you, tipped in by Alexia Aubin, who's back. And Jocelyn Amos scored on a rebound. You made the initial save, and she's back as well. They say they like to get a lot of shots on goal, screenshots, rebounds. I'm just wondering what it's like playing in one of the sport's best rivalries, this Canada-U.S. rivalry. You know, it's exhilarating just being on the ice. The fans that came out for that game was incredible. but. You know, there are certain patterns that you see when you play Canada. So, like I said, coming out fast and then, you know, they always look to get a screen in front of the goalie. So I think I've improved on that, you know, just in practice, practicing with the screens and the tips. Um, and, you know, rebound control is huge. Um, keeping everything, you know, where you can see it and putting stuff in corners. And so just, you know, having that past experience with Canada, you go in knowing these things and hopefully to get better each time. Your uh, USA team also has seven returning players, including Finley McCarthy, who scored a goal in that gold medal game, as well as Cassie Hall, who's from South Lyon. In fact, you and Cassie Hall are two players from Michigan. There are nine from Minnesota, two from Michigan. Your coach, Katie LaChapelle, says Cassie Hall brings a lot of speed to the game, scoring ability, how she can change the flow of the game. What kind of team do you think you'll have, Annalise? And how important is Cassie Hall to the success of your offense? I think Cassie's super important. Mm-hmm. She's fun to watch. The speed that she brings, you know, she's just able to thread through a bunch of players and really create opportunities for us. Um, but I think we're going to have a really fast team. Um, and I think our shots will be really good. We're able to place them, you know, perfectly where we want them. Um So, yeah, I'm excited. I think we have a really good chemistry as well. Annalise, I talked to Cassie Hall yesterday about the U18 Worlds, and she said she would like to be a bit of a role model to calm the team down when things are going sideways, to let the younger players know how to handle certain situations against the best players in the world. How about your role on the team? Have you thought about a leadership role, or are you just concerned right now about getting there, getting in the reps, rebound control, and those type of things. Yeah, obviously you're worried about that, but I definitely think the leadership from our previous players is definitely important. Mm-hmm. And obviously we're going to face some adversity throughout the tournament. So to be calm and net and, you know, just have that confident, you know, rock of the team or spine would be, you know, I think super important for other players to play off of. 
Um, so yeah, I hope to be definitely a leader as well. Your USA hockey coach, Katie LaChapelle said they would love to see you get a little payback as well. So how do you see this tournament? Annalise, is it a second chance, your last chance really to win this gold medal in the U 18 world championships? Yeah, for me, I want this more than anything. Um, I think winning a gold medal for USA, you know, especially after, you know, USA hasn't, you know, been doing so well against Canada. I think it's a great opportunity to go out and win. Like you said, you work on all these things before you go, like the rebound control. Um, but when you're there, it really is just about trusting your abilities and being confident in yourself um, and just being, you know, cool, calm and collected in the net. Because if you're starting to get jumpy and, you know, bounce around a little bit, then that's going to reflect throughout the team. And Sweden and Finland, you know, have, you know, caught up to us. Usually it's USA and Canada, but in the past years, clearly they've gotten a lot better. So mm-hmm. we need to be focused on that too and not take those oppo- opponents lightly. Annalise, how do you uh, pace yourself in one of these tournaments? You have that experience last year. The team leaves on Friday for Sweden. So you'll spend New Year's Eve there, four practices, and then an exhibition game against Sweden on Wednesday. Your parents, Peter and Megan, will be there once the tournament starts. That'll be Sunday, January 8th against Sweden, the next day against Finland, and then the big game against Canada on Wednesday, January the 11th. The quarterfinals are on the next day, Thursday, semifinals on Saturday. And then the final, if USA Hockey makes it there, would be Sunday, January 15th at 8 p.m. in Sweden, 2 p.m. back home. But that's two weeks. That's a long time to be over there. I'm just wondering what your thoughts are about getting better uh, each practice, each game. Definitely. It's it's helped that I think I've been to Europe before, so I know kind of the, how the jet lag will be. Sure. Um, so just getting prepared, you know, physically. Um, and then, of course, there's the mental side of the game. And every practice, I treat it as important as a game. And, you know, the saves that I make or how I'll act in a game is how I'll act in practice. When you're in Sweden, Annalise, back home, your Oakland Grizzlies team, We'll start the new year coming off impressive wins against number four ranked Pittsburgh. The team is 20 and 13 this year. Your record is eight and six with a 2.4 goals against average and a save percentage of 930. You've shared the goaltending with Kevin Jones. And what's what's that been like supporting each other for Mike Peruzzi's team? And how have they prepared for you while you're on the world stage as far as as far as you know? Our relationship is great with Kevin. Um we're like best friends on and off the ice. You know, we're just supporting each other. We want each other to do well. Um, it's the best relationship I've had with the goalie partner to date. Um, so that's been great. And then, you know, they prepared me just the speed of the game that they bring is very similar to what I'll be playing over there. And so I think just going in, I'll be very prepared with how they play compared to international. Mm-hmm. Uh, your coach, Mike Peruzzi said, Annalise, that you're one of the most competitive players he's ever coached in 26 years. He's used words like focused and driven, that you have a mindset that you're going to get the job done. He's even compared your compete level to former Oakland Grizzly players, Josh Norris, who went to Michigan and now plays with the Ottawa Senators, as well as Will Lockwood, who also played at Michigan and has played 16 games with the Vancouver Canucks. So how have you been able to develop that focus and who are some of the people who have helped you along the way? Yeah, I definitely think Jeff Lurg, my current goalie coach here has definitely helped me with all of that. Just in practice, he pushes me to be better every day. The oh. speed is, you know, as fast as I can. And just, I think playing with the guys keeps that 
competitive side for me, just always trying to prove myself that I deserve to be there. And, you know, just all the goalie coaches that have helped me along the way in uh, Buffalo, Marty Baron helped me here. The old Detroit Red Wings coach, um, Saleko, um, helped me this season. So all of those people, just great help to me. What's it been like then as the only girl on your Oakland Grizzlies team? Coach Peruzzi says you'll get half dressed in a separate dressing room and then join the team like any other player. You said everything's been good. The players have accepted you for who you are. But how do you think you fit in? And is it a story as much anymore that there's a girl hockey player or athlete playing on a boys team? Yeah, I definitely think it's just great to look at it as I'm just another hockey player. Mm -hmm. I think definitely less of a disparity there and I get you know I get dressed in my Under Armour then go to the locker room and it's great I feel like you know we're all just a brother and sister in there so it's a lot of fun um, of course there's going to be little teas here and there just like siblings would do but you know overall they're great to me and I just love playing with them and Elise our guest on the last podcast was Riley Bregman from China Township and she felt playing against the boys prepared her for the uh, physical game at Ohio State, as well as the fitness-driven game. You've talked about the transition of facing a lot of shots, and Coach LaChapelle said there's a lot of good female shots. Has there been a transition as far as your movements in net, uh, playing against you know the top U18 team, as opposed to some of the best female players in, in the States? Yes, I definitely think that's a very interesting comparison, just because I do have to change my play a little bit with the girls. Um, you know, the boys have a little bit more speed, but I think the girls honestly have just as much skill, if not more. Mm -hmm. And when they place their shots, even if they might not be as hard, they're better placed. Um, and so my movements, I think, have to be more precise and just on point. Um, and I can't be all over the place. And so I definitely um, think that the girls' game is getting really close to where the boys' game is at. Annalise, you played with or against some of the top junior male players like Connor Bedard of the Regina Pats and Quinton Musty of the Sudbury Wolves. Bedard, of course, is the consensus number one for the 2023 NHL draft. He had seven more points last night against Germany. Musty was the number one overall pick into the OHL. He already has 44 points in 28 games this year. What was it like playing against Bedard, for example? Yeah, it was incredible. Just the skills that he has for the game and how he sees it. Um, just incredible to watch him play. He knows the game so well. And just being on the ice with him, you know, seeing how he is able to transition the puck, um, just super cool to be able to play with him. How would you describe your style? Are you more aggressive? Do you like coming out of your goal? Does it depend on the time in the game? Or like, yeah, how would you describe your game where you're at right now? Yeah, I would say I'm very aggressive and technical. Okay. Um, I love to use my stick in front of the net just to redirect the puck into non-dangerous areas. Um, but then also being technical with, you know, exactly where I push is on angle. I'm collected as I push across and move laterally. What do you love about the game, Annalise? You've talked about how your older brothers, Otto and Hugo, got you started. You've had so many people help you, as you said, socially, emotionally, physically. But what is it about this game, the game of hockey? You're 17 years old about to embark on this next journey, two weeks in Sweden, trying to win that gold medal. What is it about this game that appeals appeals to you and has been a big part of your family? Just the community that it brings together. I love yeah. all my team. And just being on the ice, being able to be the most competitive I can. Of course, the winning aspect. I love to win, um, but I hate to lose more. So just being able to play my best, good on the ice, be active. I love it. Annalise, what's your hockey future look like after the U18 Worlds? 
We know you're committed to Cornell University, one of the top hockey programs for men and women. Even further down the road, the Olympics are in 2026 in Italy. There's world championships. That may be too far down the road. First things first, Brianna Decker will be there in Sweden helping out on coach Katie LaChapelle's coaching staff. Brianna Decker is a six-time world champion, a two-time Olympian. Have you given much thought past uh, Sweden and what your and where your hockey career might lead you? Yeah, I'm super excited to have uh, Decker joining us. I think she'll provide a lot of helpful insights. Um, but for my own path, yeah, I, my goal and my dream is to play in the next Olympics. And so hopefully, you know, I just continue to work hard and prove myself through college hockey at Cornell. I'm very excited to start there. I think we'll have a great team and hopefully make a run at the national championships too. But yeah, just going to the Olympics would really be my dream. And, you know, on the men's side of it, I would love to play, you know, in a league maybe no other woman has in a minor men's pro league. But, you know, just super excited for what the future holds and thankful for all the support that like Decker will be giving and everyone has given so far. Annalise, thanks ever so much for your time today on the podcast, talking to us about the world 18s, the Oakland Grizzlies, your hockey past, present and future. All the best in Sweden with your American teammates. Thank you so much for having me. Our thanks again to Annalise Bergman. Now let's hear from Red Wings coach Derek Lalonde talking about defenseman Jake Wallman. Wallman in the news, of course, for that gritty dance to celebrate the OT goal in Pittsburgh. The first time in franchise history, the Wings have come back from a four-goal deficit to win a road game. The first time in nearly 100 years, Detroit's first year in the NHL, was 1926. Here's what the coach had to say about Wallman's improved play of late. He has the second best plus minus at plus 12. He had that flash early on. You, know, you saw everything we did. Um, he was skating. He was competing. He, he wasn't turning pucks over. And we've challenged him for some consistency in that. And he has. And, um, you know, maybe a little window there when Ole went down. Uh, being out of the lineup for a little bit to get increased minutes and he took advantage of it and uh, Bob's kept him with those minutes and rightfully so. There you have Derek Lalonde talking about Jake Wallman's compete level. They're looking for more consistency. He said fewer turnovers, better positioning. Ted, what do you make of Wallman? He was involved in one of Steve Eiserman's best trades with the blues Detroit sent Nick Letty and Luke Witkowski to St. Louis. In return, they got Wallman, who's been playing better of late, as well as Oscar Sundquist, who played on the top checking line in St. Louis with Alexander Steen and Alex Barbashev. In fact, in Game 7 in Boston, when they won the Cup, Sundquist was third on the team in ice time among forwards behind Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron, another blue sign by Iserman. Also in that trade, Detroit got a second round pick in this year's 2023 draft. So they now have eight picks in seven rounds. The question is though, Ted, can Wallman keep this high level of play up? I've been surprised by how well he's played, Mark. I mean, he's kind of, mm -hmm. don't want to say he's come out of nowhere, but I don't think anybody expected the, to him to rise to the top pairing with cider, but it's been deserved. He's, he's a good skater. He does have some flair to him, some offensive, you know, he can provide some, uh, you know, some highlight real plays. Um, good for him. I mean, I don't think anybody had him pegged, like I said, this high up the depth chart. But he's come in, he's played well, he's given him a spark, and 
the, all three pairings now seem to have played well the last couple of games. So something to watch. I mean, again, I agree with you. It's a very shrewd trade. And again, and mm-hmm. tell you what, Steve Eiserman, the ways some of these trades have worked out over the years. I mean, to get two or three quality players for Nicoletti, and then you watch St. Louis. I guess I saw today where what O'Reilly and Tarasenko are both gone long term. Mm-hmm. So that's that situation's dire in St. Louis. And, you know, he pilfered two or three good players from him. So yeah, it's looking to be a really good trade. Finally, on the podcast, let's hear from Marit Sider, the Calder Trophy winner, who has a team worst minus 13 plus minus rating. He's been playing much better of late by his own admission in his last 11 games. He's been even with plus two games at home against Tampa Bay and on the road in that historic comeback against Pittsburgh. Here's Sider on his more complete game. I think I play a more complete game. Uh, we've been shutting down uh, top lines uh, most of the nights pretty good and um, don't allow a lot of chances. And um, that's what it's all about. Uh, maybe for, for this part of the season and then we will see. I'm, uh, I don't get that too much in my head. I, I don't think about it too much. I just like going out there and, and playing my game. It's all about we have high expectations. Um, we want it. We're going to get to the playoffs um, pretty soon here. And um, that that is the main goal and everyone is working on it. Um, everybody, everybody did a tremendous job in the off season and everyone came ready to compete. And I think you can see that on the ice too. Ted, there you have maybe one of the best explanations of the team's success this year. Cider mentioning the high expectations right from training camp. He said the main goal is clearly the playoffs and, of course, cutting down scoring chances. Offensively, last year, Cider had 50 points. This year, he has just 12 points. He's gone eight games without a point, and he has just one assist in his last 14 games. Then on Saturday, he was paired with Jake Wallman, and Ben Sherratt was moved over with Philip Heronic. Ronick was plus three after being minus four in that Buffalo game. Ted, what about Sider? What do you like about his game now? No, I think he's played better. I think he's stabilizing. I don't think he played terribly the first month or two. It's just, you know, he wasn't mm-hmm. at, at that level probably that we saw last year, especially maybe offensively. But I think he's played a little. Uh, he's definitely, his game has risen here lately. It'll be interesting to see how works with Wallman long-term. It could be a nice little match. Um, yeah, I think the Sherratt might, might seem to be a better fit with Ronick in the long, in the long run. It seemed like the, the Sherratt cider pairing and maybe worn its welcome, so to speak, maybe, but I, I've look, I've never been not a fan of Mo cider. I think exactly. One of the best young players in the NHL and, I think gradually we're seeing him get back to that level of a year ago or maybe even exceed that level here before the end of the season. Thanks, Ted. And that'll do it for episode 82 of our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast. You can find all of Ted's stories online at DetroitNews.com as well as on our Octopulse Facebook page. Thanks again, everyone, for listening, rating, and reviewing these podcasts. We'll talk again at the midway point of the season.